We are about five weeks out from Easter. Easter comes early this year. It's, it's uh, the first week of April. And so we're starting a new series called The Road to Resurrection. And, and we're going to be going through the book of Luke. We're not going to go through every, I mean, it's a, it's a long book. <laughs> so we're not going to go through every passage of Luke in five weeks. Otherwise, you know, we'd have to meet every day. And, you know, I got to do some other things. <laughs> but I, I want to encourage you. Just, just by way of, of what, what I've been praying about and thinking about, I, I am zealous for you and for me to live lives that reflect the fact that the Word of God is, is the air I breathe, the blood in my veins, and the motivation of my life. And, and you, you can't... You can't just read the Bible alone. Certainly we're connected to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit ministers and works. God works through his word. And so my desire for all of us, myself included, is that we would be people of the word. That we would be people whose, whose minds, whose hearts, whose thoughts are inundated with the word. And it's so easy in our time period to be inundated with so many other things with the latest news, with, with those people you follow on Twitter, with the funniest thing that, that someone showed you on, on whatever social media platform you want to pick, with your, your shows, with your anxieties, with your hopes. And, there's so many things that, that vie for your attention and my attention. And so I would ask as we begin this series that you would consider just dialing up the notch of, of taking in the Bible. And what I mean by this is that the book of Luke has 24 chapters, and so if you were to read one chapter a day, six days a week, you could get through that and be done and ready to hear about the resurrection on, the, on, on Easter Sunday. You could take four weeks, six days a week, and make your way through the book of Luke. And then at the end of that, if you've never done something like that, you could say, I finished the book of the Bible, a book of the Bible. And I don't, that's, that's a great thing to celebrate. And if you've been through the Bible multiple times, you can say, I did it again. But I want to encourage you to read through the book of Luke. Because over the next five weeks, I'm going to be preaching from the book of Luke. And my hope is that we can begin to see Luke bring us through the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end of his earthly ministry. And, and in so doing, he can draw us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we can respond in faith week in and week out. And I would also encourage you that, that this would be a great moment for you to invite a friend. If you're online, invite a friend to, to, to view, to participate in, in watching. And if you're coming in person, invite someone to come with you. This is, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate what God is doing and to bring others along in this journey on the road to resurrection. So I want you to uh, take out your phones and write down in your phone, in your notes app, or Evernote, or you know whatever you do on Android. I don't know. No hate. I just don't know. Um, a text file. I don't know. Um, all my nerds out there know what else. Anyways, uh, and write five names. And maybe if you only have four, maybe you have six, but write some names down. And I'm just throwing five out as the number. Uh, and I'll do the same of people that you're going to begin to pray for. And, and ask God for opportunities to invite them to participate in some way, shape, or form as we prepare 
for Easter. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds online. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to go to a different window in your computer and, uh, or just pick out, get your phone and write those names down. We need the Jeopardy thing going in the background. Okay. All right, once you have those names down, the next step is to pray for them and then talk to them. <laughs> Invite them, text to them. The worst that they can do is to say no. All right, so... We are starting, as I said, this, this series on the road to resurrection, and my hope is that we'll be encouraged through what Luke has to tell us. I, I wanted to give us a brief overview of the book of Luke. Now, Luke is the writer of the book of Luke. Luke, he's also the writer of, of Acts. And if, if you really want to go deep, you can read Luke and then follow it up by reading Acts, because what, what we see is that Luke, is a, he's a physician who participated in, in some of Paul's ministry. Uh, it's possible that he came and he, he was in Paul's party, Paul the Apostle, because Paul had experienced so much pain and suffering that he needed someone to, to help him. Uh, but Luke is a, a physician, but he also writes this history in the book of Luke and gives a, a testimony of the ministry of Christ. And then in the book of Acts, we see that he continues that testimony really to speak of the ministry of the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the the gospel of Luke is, is the gospel of the work of Jesus Christ according to Luke. And the gospel, we could call it the gospel, the, the book of Acts is the, the works, or the acts of the apostles, but it's really the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Luke chapter 1 verse 1, Luke tells us exactly why he's writing what he's writing. And he says, inasmuch has been undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, in other words, as much as other people have written about the gospel and, and have tried to kind of coalesce what Jesus did, just as those from, who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. In other words, just as much as, as people have seen and heard and they, they've testified to what they've seen and heard, verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time uh, past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. We don't know who a Theophilus is. Uh, the, the name Theophilus is, is lover of God in, in Greek, or if you translate it into Greek. It's possible that this could have been a group of people, and it's, it's almost like he's writing to a church. It's possible that he was writing to a person. But the reality is he is writing his testimony, his eyewitness, uh, verified, researched testimony, history of what Jesus Christ did. And, and we're going to see that Luke writes in such a way that, that really he gives us some historical details in order to kind of ground his testimony in reality. This isn't just a, a mythological story. It's not a fictional uh, encouragement. It's not something that's intended to edify by way of example or, or uh, analogy. This is what he found out from the people who were there and the people who saw and heard this. And so I want us to think about that in those terms, that he's writing a, in a, from a historical frame of reference. Now, it's not necessarily the same as the way we write history now, but it is consistent with the way the histories were being written at his time. So over the, our, the time in our book, we will uh, hopefully build our faith and prepare ourselves to celebrate and live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now we get to the text that we're going to read. And we're going to read out of John, or not John. We're going to read out of Luke... The book of Luke, 
Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you could stand with me, if you're online, please stand in your house as we reverence the Word of God, as we uh, present ourselves as, as those who honor the Word of God. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Let's pray. Father God, we want to see your salvation. And Lord, I pray that, that by your spirit, empowering your word, that we would be brought to a place of repenting of our sins and turning and trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that for those who are here who have never done that, that they would see their sin for what it is and they would see your salvation. They'd be able to see, as the, the prophet said, the salvation of God. And in so seeing that they would turn from their sins, repent and turn to Jesus Christ and trust in him. And for those who already trust God, I pray that we would brought, be brought again to, to faithfully and humbly repent of sin. And again, come to you and trust afresh the salvation of God. Would you speak out of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Also, give yourselves a round of applause because some of those names were hard. <laughs> I, I, had, I, I read through this a few times, but then I forgot about that. And then as I was reading, I'll be honest, I was panicking quite a bit. <laughs> Trachonitis and Lysimus and Tetrarch of Abilene. Abilene, I, I can do that one. All right. Well, good job. So in this passage... Luke provides us with an overview of the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, if you've, if you've heard that term and, and maybe you, you haven't been super familiar with the Bible, but you're kind of familiar with the church, we're not talking about John the Southern Baptist. We're not talking about John who attends a Baptist denomination. Uh, some translations will call him John the Baptizer. Because as we saw, as we read, his ministry really involved proclamation and then this, this unique baptism that he called people to. Uh, and it very much in, in a similar physical manner of what we are doing, baptizing them in, as a, an expression of something that God is doing. And we're going to talk more about that. But, but this is an overview of his ministry. And, and in this passage, we see three things. We see Luke giving us the when, the what, and the why of his ministry. When he ministered, it's timing and circumstances what he ministered, the content of his message, and, and why his ministry is significant to both that original audience, Theophilus, and why it's significant to us. 
the when, the what, and the why of his ministry. And as we see, as we'll see, John's message is still relevant for us today, that we ought to repent and trust in the salvation of God. So if you look at verses 1 and 2 with me, he gives us a great amount of detail to, to give us the time frame, the, the circumstances, the context from which he is writing. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, this is uh, the, the emperor and it is Caesar who has come from Augustus. Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. If you were to look in some other histories, it's, it's Herod uh, uh, Antipas, Antipas. Uh, he has a brother named Philip that we read about, his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and, uh, and then another tetrarch. And, and tetrarch was just a term for a, a regional leader, a regional ruler. And, and we had Philip and, and Herod, both of whom who were sons of Herod the Great, the king who had reigned really, I think, until uh, the year 2 AD. During the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, and so Luke is giving us a time frame, and, and he's not saying, you know, these things kind of happened. Uh, no, but he's giving as specific as he possibly can in, in terms of the ancient ways of providing time frames. People would understand, oh, yeah, yeah, Tiberius. Okay, I, I get that. Um, he, Tiberius began to reign, or I think, around either 15 or 17 AD, and he continued for some time on. And he basically gives us the information for us to be able to date uh, this time period to the, the year 29 AD. And so it's right before Jesus begins to do some ministry. And it's interesting, just as a side note, as we look at this, that God uses John. I mean, he begins to talk about, Luke begins to talk about the leaders, the people who are in charge, both political and religious. And, and if you think about or if you've read about the ministry of Jesus Christ, you know that many of the people surrounding, many of the Israelites were expecting a political or religious leader. They were expecting someone to rise to leadership who had political power, who maybe expressed a religious, and I'm talking about organizational um, uh, honor and clout. And they were looking for a person like that, and, and Luke gives us this this report that, that John comes, what, out of, the, out of the wilderness. And he's an odd guy. If you've read anything about John, if you haven't read anything about John, he's an odd guy. He, everything he does is really to give us a picture of another odd guy, one of the, the prophets in the Old Testament named Elijah. And, and so John wears a specific kind of robe, and it's made out of camel hair, and he has a belt, and he eats locusts, and, and it's all kind of pointing back because Israel had not had a, a prophet in about 400 years. So at the close of the Old Testament time period, God basically stopped speaking through his prophets. And for 400 years, the people of Israel tried to live on what God had given them, given him, given them in, in the, the Old Testament books of the Bible. But, but they hadn't had a, a prophet. And then here John comes and he's ministering in the wilderness. He's eating, eating locusts. And, and there's some sense that hey, this guy, he reminds me of something. And uh, it says in chapter 1, verse 80 of Luke, and the child, talking about John, grew and became strong in spirit 
And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. So John has been living in the wilderness as a prophet does. It's, it's odd, it's strange, it's, made, it's, it's supposed to seem uh, eye-catching, attention-grabbing. This is, this is not a normal circumstance. This is not something that, you know, back in the day they used to live in the wilderness. And No, this was something to grab their attention. And he comes out of the wilderness and, and around the area of the Jordan, and he begins to minister. And this is the time frame that, that, that Luke gives us. And, and it goes on and says in verses 2, the second part of verse 2 and 3, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. This language of the word of the Lord came to John, that was Luke's way of saying, John is a prophet. Because if you read many of the Old Testament uh, prophetic accounts, the, the prophets would say, the word of the Lord came to me. And that was a way of, of signifying that, hey, I am a prophet. I have God's word, God's testimony that I need to share. And so we see Luke telling us that the word of the Lord came to John. The word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. And, and he, as a result of that, listen to the progression. The word of the Lord comes to John. And as a result, he went in all the region of the Jordan, proclaiming what? A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I think that we can say, at least in part, that the ministry and the word of the Lord that came the word of God that came to John was a word to bring repentance and baptism. To, to give the people a picture in baptism of the repentance and faith in their God, in their covenant God that they needed to have. John was going to prepare the way and call people, call the Israelites initially back to faith in God. And he, he gets this, this baptism of repentance and, and writers and, and commentators are, are kind of split about what this could have been, but most likely John's baptism, it's not exactly like our baptism because our baptism is a picture of what Christ has already done. Our baptism points back to what Jesus did. But John is right on this cusp where the, the kingdom of God ushered in by Jesus Christ is about to happen. And I know for some of you, this might be like, who cares? But, but I want to help you understand the framework from which we work as Christians. And, and the, the era of the kingdom of God being established is what John was preparing the way for. And, and that's the era that we all live in. You and I, we live in the, in the era of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ has established the kingdom through his life and, and, and his death and his resurrection, and he's brought that about. But John was preparing the way, and the Israelites were looking for the salvation of God. And so here we see John preparing the way, and he gets this baptism that really was intended to look forward. It was, it was intended, as we see, it's a baptism of repentance. And if you're not familiar with, with the Bible, or, or maybe you haven't been in church long, repentance is this word that, that means turning away, or, or changing your mind, metanoia, change mind. And the idea is that you change your mind, and thus your behaviors about sin, you change your mind and thus your behaviors about life. You, you begin to think differently and approach things differently 
from your own autonomous way, your own, I can do things my way, your own, this is my God, this is whom I worship, to now I worship God, I submit myself to him, I, sub my, I submit myself to this covenant Yahweh, which we've talked about in the past, and, and I'm going to live my life for him. So John is calling them to a repentance and to a faith, but it's a forward-looking faith because Jesus hasn't come just yet. So it's a preparatory faith, but it's still, a, it's a still a real faith because they're trusting in what? The salvation of God. They're still trusting. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the Christ is going to look like. I don't know what God's salvation is going to look like. But I know that God, Yahweh, the one who chose us as a people, the one who offers eternal life, he has prepared something. And I can trust in what he's prepared. Family, he, John is, is calling them to faith in, in some respects exactly the same as our faith. It's different because we sit on the other side of the story. We know the end of the story. But it's the same because we are both kind of sitting in the same chair. They, they're trusting. And when I say sitting in the same chair, when you sit down in a chair, you're trusting that that chair is going to hold you up, right? You're putting faith in its ability not to help you fall to your demise, right? And, and, and the Old Testament believers were, were trusting in Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt you shall have no other gods before me. That God to bring salvation. And Yahweh is the same God that we serve and worship. And we trust in Jesus Christ. And so he's calling them to this forward-looking, preparatory, hope-filled faith. And so he, he proclaims this baptism of, repentance, uh, baptism of repentance and looking forward. And we can see... The, kind of how it, it relates to us. If you were to go forward, if we fast forward the tape and look at chapter 19 of the book of Acts, also written by Luke, uh, we, we see some believers that are being encountered by one of the disciples. And, and it says this, and it happened that when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some what? Disciples, followers of God. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts had fallen. It was the promise of the Father that he would send a gift and he would empower them for ministry. And he come, uh, Paul comes to Acts, uh, sorry, he comes to Ephesus in the book of Acts and says, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what? They say, no, we've not heard of that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. These were guys who, they'd been waiting around. And they're just kind of like, we didn't get the memo. Now, they get the memo. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They receive power and, and, and kind of the story. They get the, the rest of the story, as it were. But we have the rest of the story. So Luke gives us the, the when of his ministry, of the ministry of John. And he gives us the what? This call to repent. And then he, he gives us the significance. You know, he could have just stopped there and said, you know, John... He called the disciples, he called, he called people to repent. He could have stopped. But he goes on in verses 4 and following, and he says, As it was written, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one calling, sorry, crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He, Luke is, he's keying in on something. He, he says, 
the, the ministry of John is a fulfillment of what was promised in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, again, if you're not familiar, there's a book called Isaiah. And it's, it's really the, the prophecies and, and some of the stories around this, this prophet named Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 40, we get, we get this testimony where he speaks and he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And so we see that in verse 2, is it verse 2? Verse, yes, verse 2, John receives the word of the Lord, or the word of God, and we see his response to the word of God is that he goes and he proclaims a baptism of repentance, turn away from what you know to be evil, turn away from sin, turn away from disobeying the Ten Commandments, turn away from living autonomously, and turn to God, your God of salvation, And then he goes and he says, you know what this is all doing? All of this is a picture of what was promised in Isaiah. And he says, John is preparing the way. So something about the ministry of John calling people to repentance and showing that repentance through baptism is preparing the way for who? The Lord, Yahweh, Jesus Christ. And we see that, that John was preparing the way by calling people to live receptive and ready and repentant, waiting for their salvation. He was calling them and saying, guys, stop looking down and look up because God's about to do something. God's about to provide salvation to you. God's about to do something serious. Get your hearts right. Get prepared. Get ready. Put your listening ears on. And he says, this is why it was written. And he says, the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And how, how ought to we to prepare the way of the Lord? He said, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Now, obviously, they couldn't do that on their own. Individuals weren't necessarily making valleys uh, up and, and mountains low. The point was that they were, they were bringing rectitude. They were aligning themselves to the will of God. There was, they were bringing moral uh, obedience to themselves. This is why he calls it a baptism of what? Repentance. Of taking their lives and turning to God. This is the significance of what he's doing. And he ends and says this in verse 6. Luke quoting Isaiah. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now in the, there are two versions of the Old Testament uh, we have the, the Hebrew manuscripts, and then we have the uh, a, a Greek translation. And in the Hebrew, it talks about the glory of God. And in the, in the Greek, it talks about the salvation of God. And don't let that freak you out. Because what, what we see the, the Greek writer doing, what we see Luke doing is saying, the glory of God is going to be expressed in the salvation of God. And we see that reflected in so much of, of the Bible. We see it talked about in, in John. John talks about it in his prologue. He says, you know, we've seen glory. Glory is the only one sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory. So there's something about the majesty and the wonder and the brilliance of God that is expressed in his salvific work. And this, this is the beauty family of, of our God is that he is strong and he is mighty and he is awesome, but he expresses that in mercy and grace and forgiveness. You know, I remember being a kid and that is not how we expressed strength. You know, for us, it was, it was kung fu and it was pressure points. That, I lived in the age of like kung fu pressure points. You know, I can take you out and, 
we didn't know what we were talking about. We just, I know that you have a solar plex, and that hurts when you hit that. That's about as close as we ever got to any sort of kung fu. But we thought that we were strong, and strength was expressing power and domination. God's glory is expressed in his merciful salvation. Now, his strength is going to be expressed in other ways as well. And that's why he calls us to repentance, because there will be a day of judgment in which he will express his strength and his justice by condemning and punishing those who have not put their hope in the salvation of God. But here, here John is saying, it's not yet time. Would you, would you repent? Would you look forward to the hope that we have? Would you look ahead to the promise of salvation? Would you see the salvation of God? And that's what's so significant for us, family, is that today God speaks, and today God calls you to see the salvation of God. If you're in this room and you've never trusted in your Lord, in in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are living in sin. We all, the Bible says, are sinners. We all choose by, by nature and by choice, we, we are sinners. We, we choose things that we shouldn't choose. We do things we shouldn't do. We don't do things we should do. And our, our offense is not a, just against one another. It's not just a horizontal thing. It's a vertical offense. We've offended a holy and righteous God. And today, John speaks still. Today, Luke speaks still. And he says, repent. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn to God. And this is not, family, a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do a better job, you know, stop cussing, stop going to the clubs, and, and, and make sure you go to church on Sundays and walk ladies across the, the road so that you can go to heaven by your good deeds. That is not what he's saying. The Old Testament believers did not do better to get better. The Old Testament believers believed in the God of their salvation. They, they, they heard the The Ten Commandments as, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. I saved you, therefore live this way. I've saved you, therefore live this way. The Old Testament prophets were all all calling them back and saying, the God of your salvation has saved you. Won't you repent? And then God would say, I'm going to send you into exile. I'm going to punish you for your sin, but I'm going to bring you back. And by my grace, I'm going to bring you back and draw you to myself. Family, we are being called afresh to faith and repentance in the God of salvation. The difference between John's call and our call is we know the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know the name. And, and I'm, I'm excited because we're going to read through the, the book of Luke. Hopefully you'll, you'll read along with me. And we're going to see Jesus ministering. And we're going to see the promises of the Old Testament, the things that God said that he would accomplish, being accomplished by Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but but one of the first things that Jesus does is he reads from a scroll. And what is that scroll? It's the book of Isaiah. And he begins to talk about captives being set free and the blind seeing and, and all of these things that were being promised. And he says, this is my ministry. And family, this is God's ministry to you. He's calling you to faith and repentance. He's calling you to trust in him, not to trust in your own works, 
Not to trust in your own ability to really even figure this thing out, but to trust what God has has revealed in his word that we are sinners, that our situation is dire, but that he is gracious and merciful and he offers life to us, not because of anything we do. Family, you aren't going to disqualify yourself by your behavior from being from the salvation of God being offered to you. There's nothing that you've done that is so bad that God says, you know what, never mind. He, he offers salvation to whomever. But, but there is only one salvation, and it is in Jesus Christ. So we see, as I bring this, as I bring this to a close, we see that, that John the Baptist is preparing the way. He's paving the way. He's getting the people, hey, hey, it's been 400 years. Maybe you haven't read your Torah. Maybe you haven't read Isaiah recently. Let me help you. God is coming. Repent. Believe. Show that repentance through action. Right, this wasn't just a personal, I have a belief in my heart that has no implications for my life. Family, if you believe, you know, if, if I think there's a gap right here, I'm not going to step right here. I'm going to step over the gap. Right? If you believe that Jesus is your Lord, then you got to live like Jesus is your Lord. And hey, I'll be the first to say that sometimes you don't live like Jesus is your Lord. You know what you do when that happens? is you stop and you live like Jesus is your Lord. You repent, and then you live like Jesus is your Lord. But there has to be a repentance and an action that accompanies it. Sorry, anyways. Um, So we see, as I said, uh, we're gonna land this plane. We see that John's ministry is a ministry, it's, it's rooted in history. Luke gives us the when, 2980. He gives us what? the proclamation of the, of the gospel of this repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and he gives us significance. We're looking ahead as John prepares the way for the one to come. We're on the road to resurrection, family. We're on the road to resurrection, and today, God invites you not only to observe, but to participate. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace to us. Jesus, we thank you that you prepared the way through your servant, John. God, we thank you that that you invite us into salvation that is not dependent on our behavior, that doesn't depend on us being good enough to receive it, but God, that you were good enough in your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you were good enough to make it possible for us to be right before you. And God, I pray that we would walk in humble repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in this room or if you're online and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Luke is speaking to you, John is speaking to you, God is speaking to you. And I don't mean to overplay that, but but when you hear the word of God and you're put in the position where you can respond to the word of God, God is giving you an opportunity to respond.
You're not here on accident. You're not online on accident. You know, we believe that God is sovereign and that means he, is, he, he orchestrates all of life and he has put you here with an opportunity to repent and believe, to turn away from your sin, to turn away from your own uh, attempts at making yourself right before God, to turn away from your own attempts at creating a reality and a belief system And he calls us to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to submit our lives to him, and to believe the words that he has given us in his scriptures. If that's you, if you want to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're in this room, I'd love for you to raise your hand and pray with me. If you're online, you can let one of our hosts know. And you just need to pray this prayer. God, I I turn away. I repent. I turn away from everything I know to be sin everything I know to be my attempts to live on my own, my attempts to live apart from you. And I, I, I run to you. I embrace your, your salvation and I embrace your leadership and lordship in my life. God, would you help me to live in a way that honors you as my Lord, as the one who's in charge, as my master and as my savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know because we would love to speak with you and help you on this road to resurrection life. If you're online and you do that, please let one of our hosts know. Family, I love you and I'm hopeful and excited for Easter.